Coming up on this episode of Trillionaire Mindset, we're talking about the Silicon Valley Bank collapse, signature bank collapse, and everything in between. We're hitting everything. Regulatory problems, where they went wrong. One more thing. Also, Ben gets real weird about China. Oh yeah, super weird. China? Ah! Oh, whoa! And then also... What was the last one? Oh! Big news for the apes. You're going to want to stick around. You guys might be in Bil- trouble. Bil- no, good actually, stuff. It might we'll be. find out. Yeah, we'll find out. Well, you might be a billionaire. Hmm. <laughs> Welcome back to Monkey at the Beat Band. Kramer, when I get done with you. Yeah. Fill me up, man. Hey everybody, welcome to the Trillionaire Mindset. Please, real quick, check out the disclaimer so we can get that out of the way. We, you guys know how bad traffic is in LA. Ben is once again stuck in traffic. I had to get out of the car and walk to the boat. All right, so I'm here alone, but that's fine. We're going to get started. He's going to, he'll get through the traffic and and he'll be here, but we're going to get started without him. And it does pain me because I know he would love this so much. We're going to be talking about the SBV collapse today. We're going to be talking about Signature Bank. So I feel like there's a perfect starting point right here. We got to talk about our boy, Jim Cramer. Let's check this out. Don't you want this company's a merchant bank with a deposit base that Wall Street had been stakely concerned about. SUB and Silicon Valley Bank recently bought one of our favorite research firms, Buffett Nathanson, and it's become less dependent upon private equity and venture capitalist offerings. Wait a second. Those dried up last year, they could come back. Yes, some of them come back here with the stock directly affects an oversold position. Stock was the fourth worst performer in 2022. I think the fears were not justified, and it's a very compelling situation. Hey, by the way, long-term private equity and venture capital, they're not going away. Being the banker to these immense pools of capital has always been a very good business. Stock's still cheap. We love our boy Jim Cramer, don't we? He's, 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 what the hell was that? Are you guys picking something up in the... Oh, brother. Kramer! <laughs> how you doing, brother? <laughs> how are you doing, brother? Oh, you know how I'm doing. I'm <laughs> so pissed off! <laughs> okay. I'm a little bald-headed freak, Jim Kramer. I'm out here listening to him talk this shit on MSNBC. And he has no idea what he's saying anymore. You know what I think? What's that? Young man. What's that? My Greek friend. Oh, okay. I think he uses too much shoe shine on that bald head of his, and it clouds his judgment. That may be You know, he's up there shining that thing day and night, and it's just seeping into his little piggy brain, making him think all sorts of crazy things that he doesn't fully understand. None of us really do, if I'm going to be honest, if I can, can be fair about it. But this guy... I gotta agree with you. (laughs) So, Kramer, I've got a message for you, young man, old fart, you fucking piece of shit, cocksucker. Please, for the love of God, let me know what stock you recommend next so I can know which one to short into the fucking basement and make a ton of fucking money, okay? Okay, Kramer, how about this? I got a brand new stock recommendation for you. 
It's a brand new company that I'm starting today. And I want you to be the first investor. It's called Cocksuckers International LTD. What do you think, Kramer? You're going to invest? I'm in. He's in. (laughs) All right. Now, perhaps Kramer may not be dumb. Perhaps he's just unlucky, right? It could be. But I heard a rumor that Jim Kramer went long airline stocks the day before 9-11. Is that true? That's I don't know. I don't think so. But you know, you know, Jim Kramer. Kramer is so dumb. If I were to start an airline called Jihad Airlines, he'd be first in line to buy shit. I gotta tell you, you're not. Gonna, oh, by the way, do do you have a name? Should I call? Uh, we we've met oh, quite me? a few times. Yeah. Oh, you can just call me the guy. Okay, the guy. I'm the guy. <laughs> well, you're pissed off, at Jim Kramer. Well, I gotta tell you, the guy. You're what? <laughs> You're not going to be happy about this because there's more. There's more? <laughs> I'd like to show you what he was what he was saying about Signature Bank. You well. got to be <laughs> fucking shitting me. Just, just wait. Let's start with Signature Bank. This is a New York-based commercial bank, but it's got uh, 36 private client offices sprinkled across the New York metro area, California, and North Carolina. The thing about Signature is that it's a business-oriented bank, and to the extent that they have a consumer business, it's focused on the wealthy, namely business owners and senior executives who do a lot of business. And you can make a lot of money working with them. You're telling me that he recommended Signature Bank also? That's what, I'm, tra- That's what I'm trying to tell you. Woo! Wow! Kramer, you're as wrong as you are ugly, man. I'm so mad. <laughs> I swear I'm so mad. <laughs> Kramer, you're as wrong as you are ugly. Oh, fucking shit, I'm so mad. Oh, I'm so mad. Oh, 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 Kramer. Now you've done it. Oh, no, here it comes. Kramer, you've messed up for the last time. Who's that? What's that? Whoa, that, oh, God. Who is that guy? I don't mean to alarm you, brother, but that's just my alter ego, Joshua. Joshua seemed kind of yeah, like a... Oh! Kramer, I have got a real bone to pick with you, sir. What you've done is fiscally irresponsible. Oh, God. Kramer, I swear to God, I'm terrified right now because Joshua, when he gets upset, I got to keep him under control, and I frankly don't know what to do right now with all of this. I got to say, I kind of like Joshua. Joshua, <laughs> oh, here he comes again. Kramer, I, I respect your career as a as a, as a a broadcaster and as a finance professional, but frankly, your, your track record as of late uh, uh, speaks to your apparent lack of due diligence and your lack of professionalism. Oh, God, Joshua. Go easy on him, brother. Holy Christ. On the cross. Boy, you know, I better get going before Joshua starts to say something real mean. And then I end up in in trouble with uh, the law and the courts and whatnot. All right. Kramer, as always, you better watch your back, brother, because I'm coming after you. I'm waiting for you to respond to my challenge to, uh, you know, wrestle me or or whatever. But anyway, brother... It's always been good. What's your name again? Emil. Uh, email. All right. No, we like that. Okay. So long, the guy. You look good as hell. Thanks, pal. All right. Take care, everybody. Kramer, fuck yourself. <laughs> and then there he goes. Gone again. Oh, my God. Holy crap. Sorry about that. Jeez, man. Did the, the traffic clear up? Yeah, it was, uh, I don't know, it was like a pancake syrup spill or something. I asked CHP and he told me to move along or he's going to fucking shoot me, so Jesus I t- didn't bother Christ. asking anymore. I got to tell you. What? The guy stopped by again. The guy, oh man, he's a fucking, he's the and best. And also, yeah. apparently his name is just The Guy. Yeah, I know. 
You didn't know that? I didn't know that. Yeah, he's the guy. It's funny because he's like this big wrestler persona. Imagine a WWE guy was just like, I'm the guy. Yeah, yeah. Well, sometimes the simplest names are the most memorable ones. Sure. Because then you're you're going and forgetting and you're like, well, what is he? He's what the guy. It's the guy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's the when, guy from the thing. Yeah. When we were grabbing drinks, he was telling me. You that. were getting drinks with that <laughs> guy? Yeah, What's he drinks. like out at he's, a... he's very calm. He, <laughs> he talks like this. He's actually kind of nerdy. That yeah. might have been Joshua you were out with. Oh, well, that might be his real name. I don't know. Oh, I don't know his deal, man. He He's unstoppable in the ring, I tell you that. Yeah. I mean, boy, that guy. You should see in some of these backyard shows. Oh, boy. Wow. Incredible body on him. Yeah, wow, I've heard. Rock hard. Makes me rock hard. Well, let's see. We've got the live stream coming. Oh, my, my throat hurts. It's weird. Probably all that yelling in traffic. Probably all that <laughs> syrup. Yeah, it sticks to my throat. I got out and licked some. We got a live stream next week. March 23rd, only on YouTube, 3 p.m. On what? YouTube. YouTube? YouTube. Is that their new um, food-focused? Tube? <laughs> yeah, it is. Check us out on YouTube. Uh, well, only so only on YouTube next week, March 23rd, Thursday at 3 p.m. But also potentially Pacific. on TikTok as well. Yeah, yeah, we might be doing it on TikTok. <laughs> so when we say only on YouTube? Yeah, also on TikTok. <laughs> Maybe. But uh, yeah, 3 p.m. Pacific. And hey, guess what, gang? We got the uh, stickers. Yeah, not only can you get the classics, yeah, but this thing's tight. Look at this. That I is put tight. one on my truck. But this is the real. This is the real treat. Yeah, read it. Read it for the audio listener. What does the sticker say? It says nothing like phone sex and your brother through a go between. And for those of you not in the know, that's a reference to when my brothers and I used to abuse the uh, free AT and T service for the hard of hearing. Where you talk to a live operator and we made them say naughty things to each other. I'm so horny. I'm so hot right now. Whatever the fuck we would do. Nothing type. like phone sexing your brother through a go between. <laughs> Very sick. Yeah. So this should go on the truck. That should go on the truck. Yeah. I need to put some of Phil's stickers on my truck. Um, you get, you got to go with a classic. <clears throat> I heart my shitty life. I love my shitty life. I wanted to put my I love my shitty life on the back of my scooter helmet, but then I feel like that's cursing me to crash. Then you'd really love your shitty life. Yeah. Mm. Ay, ay, ay. Well, we got a real doozy of an episode for you today. Holy God. Do we? <clears throat> yeah, it, we got a lot <clears throat> to cover. Yeah, it all happened right after we recorded our episode last week. Yeah, it all happened so quickly. And then I was in the desert getting texts from people going, like in the morning going, oh, I bet this episode's going to be crazy. Yeah. And I was like, brother, yeah, it's not going to be that crazy. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Um, um, I just finished playing tennis. Yeah. Uh, I didn't get any of those. I, I got like one text and I just said, yeah, we're going to cover it next week, you which is actually a pretty good thing because then we end up having more time for the story to shake out. You don't have any, uh, you don't have any Trilly Peppers texting you? Oh, I like that. Trilly That's actually a shout out to my friend, Matt. He, he, he came out, he came <coughs> up with that. He calls himself a Trilly Pepper. Uh, my good friend Kate is a Trilly Pepper. Shout out to Kate. But did she come up with a cool name? Uh, I don't know. She she might have. Cause she'll come up with one. She's a genius. So well, let us know when she has one. For yeah, people. I'm sure that as soon as this comes out and she hears it, she'll be texting me, being like, "Oh, okay." But Red got. Hot Chili Peppers is already taken. Red Hot Chili Peppers is pretty good. Um, so Chili Peppers for short. <clears throat> right. Should we <laughs> should we get right into it, man? No, nah, let's let's meander for a bit. Are you serious? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> 
Uh, wow. So unless you've been living under a rock, in which case, don't say, do the joke. Say hi to the bugs for me. <laughs> no. And uh, no. What's the rent like under there? Is that the other one that I usually do? I can't even remember. Um. So, Silicon Valley Bank. Is it silicon or silicone? People I don't know because it. you made fun of me one episode for the way I said it. Let's do real fast. Google, Google. How do you pronounce silicone? And then silicone. someone commented and said, "It's funny Ben made fun of a meal for the way he said it, and then said it incorrectly." <laughs> so I think neither of us know. Yeah. Uh, just scroll down. There's going to be an actual Google thing. Oh, there should be. It should be a Google like how to pronounce thing. Eesh, this is embarrassing. Silicon. Let's see. The name of this chemical element. Jesus. Let's break down the pronunciation. Oh, come, oh, come on. on. Just, Just get to it. it. English pronunciations are similar here. Silicon. 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 That's okay. crazy. I'm not okay. saying that. Silicon. All right. Silicon. So. Also, really making a whole yeah. meal out of it. You Jesus. have to pronounce Let's the word. Let's talk about this chemical. English pronunciation. Also, how, how are we getting... A French dude telling us how to yeah no kidding. famously guys with peanut butter stuck to the roofs of their mouth. <laughs> He's gonna tell me how to do it. Have you ever gotten peanut butter stuck to the roof of your mouth? It is no fun. It, it can be scary, man. You feel like you're choking. Anyway, uh, <laughs> so we're gonna do a timeline, but a little background first. So Silicon Valley Bank. Right, a lot's happened since. So Silicon Valley Bank was the preferred bank for. Venture capitalists and startups and uh, individuals, like they, they did everything from, um, they did mortgages, personal banking, they did. Um, but a lot of those came with, they were part of a white glove package that you would get right. for banking with them. Right. You know, the majority of their, <clears throat> it seemed like their depositors were VC guys, startup guys. You know, if you just got your Series A funding, you're, go, you're marching your ass down to SVB. And, and, and depositing parking it there. that check. So their uh, uh, Silicon Valley Bank's um, balance sheet basically grew from about $60 billion in 2022, $190 billion in 2022 due to the boom in venture funding from perennially low interest rates, right? And so when you're a bank and you got all that money, you got to wonder how do banks make their money? Well, one of the ways that they make their money is they've got all this money that you've deposited and they do shit with it. They lend it out, they invest it, they do all kinds of shit, right? Mm -hmm. Well, Silicon Valley Bank invested $120 billion of their money into, <clears throat> into bonds. They did mortgage-backed securities. And, and they treasury did, bonds. And yeah. treasury bonds. And at the time... They were doing it when bond yields and the interest rates were low, and they were essentially betting that bond uh, that that interest rates would stay low. But so they had their balance sheet is split into two categories. Well, and they historically had. Yes, exactly. <laughs> For like ten years, I mean, can you blame them? Eh. But so they had their balance sheet split into these two categories: AFS, which is available for sale, aka things that they buy and sell freely. And the way that those are accounted, it's called mark-to-market. So let's say that the price changes today and drops 10%. On their balance sheet, it gets recorded as such. Oh, this one dropped 10%, boom, it's recorded that way, and it's it's like a stock, basically. So they got the, they, they got those that they, they mark-to-market, and then they also had bought the longer-term bonds. The majority of what they bought were these held-to-maturity bonds, which they expected to be held long-term. So... 
the distinction between those two is that the held to maturity bonds are marked at book value. They're not, they're not, even though their prices fluctuate, they're not marked to market on the balance sheet. So like the price could drop, but you know, as far as you know, they're just the same price, right? Okay. And like I said, three quarters of their portfolio was in that, mostly in treasuries and mortgage-backed securities. It's normally pretty safe, except those kind of long-term bonds have what's called interest rate risk. They're not totally without their own risk. Right, because when they started parking in those treasury bonds, what was the yield? One and a half percent? Something like that, like 1.75%, yeah. So what happens when interest rates rise? Now people are going to be able to go out and get bonds at a higher yield. Exactly. So what happens to the bonds that you're currently holding? Hey, hey, everybody, I know you can go and get like 5% on bonds, but we have these bonds that are yielding like 1.5%. Do you want them? Right. Fuck no. So, well, you could sell them just at a much cheaper. Yeah, exactly. Right. So the you're price... gonna, you're gonna lose a lot of money. You're gonna lose a lot so of money as the Fed starts raising interest rates. Their investment is faring worse and worse. Yeah, especially that available for sale part. Even though it's a smaller part of their portfolio, it started to get hammered. So they're stuck holding the bag, so to speak, on these bonds that yield less. And it was this terrible um, confluence of events because. They're reliant on venture capital money continuing to flow in. But as interest rates started to rise, that venture capital money started to dry up. Right. It's a real perfect storm. Yes. They're raising rates, which is making their investment worse, right. worth less. Yes. Which is also drying up the money. So you, so they're taking a huge hit on deposits. I yes. think they maxed out somewhere around $200 billion And then month to month, they're, they're down to like $173 billion, $163 billion. Yeah. So- their clients are slowly starting to withdraw money because they needed it. And eventually, Silicon Valley Bank was forced to sell those um, AFS, the available for sh- uh, for sale bonds, at a loss. And then in January, they also revealed in their filings that their longer-term securities had paper losses of $16 billion against their $11.5 billion in tangible equity, a.k.a. if they were to have to liquidate those longer-term securities, they'd be fucking bankrupt. There's a hole. Yeah, there's a massive hole. So around that time in January when they had to liquidate these, uh, the shorter-term, not shorter-term, but the, the available-for-sale stuff, you know, the, the, the rumors starting to spread that they've got a cash burn problem. The more money flowed out, the more that uh, longer-term portfolio was at risk of needing to be liquidated. The group chats. The group chats are lighting up. Oh, man, I'm sure. They're all just in between talking about whatever fucking fleece pullover they got. <laughs> They're like, oh, did you hear about Did you hear about Valley this? Yeah, I don't yeah. know about all this. So the biggest red flag was the fact that they had incredibly insufficient risk strategies in place. No. Yeah. Can you believe it? No. In fact, they only uh, they only hired a chief risk officer in January and they were without a senior most risk risk officer for 8 months. Yeah. Out of the year last year. And of the 7 board members assigned to their risk committee, only one had a background even closely related to risk management. Is that good? No. Oh. No. You would think that with a portfolio of that size, they would have sizable hedges in place. I believe 
the 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 amount of hedges that they had I read was only around five hundred million dollars. It was, but it was like that's like less than half of a percent. Well, that's okay because you figure what what are their deposits? Uh, one hundred seventy three, two hundred billion dollars. Five hundred million dollars. Cut it, don't you think? That ought to do it. That ought to do it, dude. So going off of the, the, the confluence of events, you also had Silvergate was this other bank that had collapsed on March 8th. Silvergate was this middleman between institutions and crypto exchanges. So basically, if you're an institution and you want to invest in crypto, you funnel your money through Silvergate for whatever fucking reason. I don't know why they need to be the intermediary. I don't understand it. But so after FTX collapsed, customers were withdrawing their money from Silvergate and they had to sell just over $5 billion in debt securities. They even went to the Federal Home Loan Bank for $4.3 billion. The Federal Home Loan Bank, for the uninitiated, is the, uh, it's the, it's the bank that you go to. It's the bank that regional banks go to when they, when they need um, cash. Elizabeth Warren criticized that move, and she pointed out, rightfully so, how the crypto market risk was coming into the traditional banking system. Uh, and in a nutshell, Silvergate couldn't handle the withdrawals because, you know, no bank actually has enough cash on hand to handle if everybody uh, decides to pull their money out at once. So that led to them losing a billion dollars in uh, Q4. They went into receivership pretty quickly, meaning the government took over. Uh, and prior to their collapse, customers were moving their money to other crypto-friendly f- uh, banks like... like? Um, Signature, Bank. Signature Bank of New York, which also just collapsed. But we'll get to that. So now let's go look at the timeline of events that happened last week. Where should we start? Wednesday? <laughs> I feel like you hit a lot of the timeline. I mean, yeah, but then the actual timeline was such that... So Wednesday, last week, they put out a press... Uh, 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 Silicon Valley Bank put out a press release stating that, okay... We sold the majority of our available for sale securities, and uh, which was twenty-one billion dollars worth of yo- low yield, YOLO, of low yield U.S. Treasuries. And how much were they losing? On and that? they realized a one point eight billion dollar loss. You know, all right. And, and investors and, liked this; they felt good about uh, it. Investors were like, "Well, okay, they're being honest and forthcoming." <laughs> no, no, but they, then, they didn't like that. No, they did not like it. <laughs> well, because then uh, Silicon Valley Bank also said it was this very long. Um, uh, press release that I, I poured over it was like 50 pages or something but they said that they were also raising two and a quarter billion dollars to quote strengthen our financial position all right and reposition their balance sheet to take advantage of higher short-term interest rates to lock in funding costs to protect interest income and enhance profitability sounds nice right okay what happened Thursday well well but first, on the on the heels of the collapse of Silvergate Bank just a couple of weeks prior, there was this venture capitalist-induced panic as they started to instruct their companies to move their money out of Silicon Valley Bank. Nobody wanted to panic, but also nobody wants to be the last guy in line at the bank to get their fucking money out. You right. Know? It's also important to know Silicon Valley is different than other banks, right? We, we talked about how, <clears throat> you know, it's 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 series people VCs startup guys bringing their money in most banks and we're we're gonna get to all the stuff with the FDIC and how your money's insured up to two hundred fifty k most banks are somewhere between forty and sixty percent of their funds are over the two hundred fifty k threshold so the, so their right. deposits forty to sixty percent of their deposits are not 
insured. Mm-hmm. Silicon Valley Bank was at like 91 to 95% of their deposits were oh, uninsured. Because they were over the 250000 right. threshold. And so that's where a lot of the stuff like you're talking about, these mortgages they offer, these check- these checking accounts with privileges and everything, that's part of their service because they wanted people to keep, they didn't want people spreading out their risk and putting it in other banks. They wanted everyone to be banking with Silicon Valley Bank and keeping all their money there. Mm. And so part of that panic is people going, well, Jesus Christ, I got a lot of fucking money in there over the 250000 threshold. Right. Yeah. And that presents a problem because when you're the bank, even though you got $120 billion worth of customer funds, if everybody tries to, it's not like they got $120 billion cash waiting, like, okay, yeah, if everybody wants to bail at once, fuck no, they do not have that. Yeah. Um, so anyway, on Thursday, the next day, the CEO of Silicon Valley Bank, Greg Becker, who, by the way, up until very recently served on the board of directors of the Federal Reserve Bank of San Francisco. Yeah, we'll get to Greg Beck. Ay, ay, ay. So he put out a statement trying to calm investors, but it fucking backfired when he literally told people to stay calm. <laughs> Nothing like keeping everyone calm by screaming, stay calm! Stay calm you during guys are call. freaking out! And on Thursday, the stock dropped a precipitous 60%. He also couldn't. He also couldn't assure people that this would be the only capital raise they would need to do. And by the end of Thursday, forty-two billion dollars worth of deposits were withdrawn. Silicon Valley Bank had a negative cash balance of nine hundred and fifty-eight million dollars, and none other than Peter Thiel took to Twitter to tell people to take their money out. So he kind of he wasn't the first domino, but he was definitely the biggest. There was a lot of people, Jason Calacanis, uh, there was a lot of people just running, screaming, go get your money now. Jason Calacanis said uh, that? I'm pretty sure. Yeah. yeah I mean- uh, Bill Ackerman. Bill Ackman was crying about other They things. were all, you know, Bill Ackman, David Sachs, Jason Calacanis, they were saying that, you know, people were going to have trouble making payroll, that they weren't going to be able to get, they weren't going to be able to access their money, all this shit. Right. Um, but Peter Thiel was explicitly telling everyone at the Founders Fund, get your money out of there yeah. now, move it to other banks. And when Peter Thiel talks, people do be listening because he's, uh, he's, you know, he's one of the biggest, baddest venture capitalists that there ever was. So his, his word holds sway, and it certainly did. I mean, as is evidenced by $42 billion worth of deposits getting withdrawn. And just like that, on Friday, Silicon Valley Bank collapsed the second largest bank collapse in history the 16th largest bank in the united states with a total of 210 billion dollars in assets and technically it was due to a liquidity crisis because not enough money was available to cover all of the outflows but it was really due to poorly managed um uh funds and and having virtually no um risk protocol in place Right. I mean, <clears throat> are you done with the time? Well, also, yeah, just, yeah. it's important to note. So on Friday, the federal government, the federal government in California took the bank over. Right. Um, originally. It worked real quick. Got originally to trying to sell the bank to someone, mm-hmm. couldn't get someone to take over the bank. And then uh, they said they that I think by Sunday evening, they said everyone was, was going to be covered. They were using what's called the systemic exemption risk. Mm-hmm. Risk. Ex- Systemic risk exemption. Excuse me. Mm-hmm. Did you see that? Yeah, that was incredible. Uh, okay. So <clears throat> the 250000 threshold was not going to matter. If you were above that, depositors are going to be covered. Right. 
Which is like good news, but it's also confusing because it kind of means like, okay, nothing means anything then. What's the point of even stating? Oh, it sets a a pretty insane precedent. Yeah. There's basically no, there's no limit. Right. Yeah. So I got to hand it to the federal government for, for stepping in. And apparently I learned that banks fail all the time. Especially smaller banks, regional banks. Yeah. They, they fail all the time. So the government is uh, adept at stepping in, taking over, and making sure things get handled appropriately. But I also don't think they have quite the mess that someone like SVB made no. for themselves. Yeah. Right? And <clears throat> so a lot of people are talking about, well, is this a bailout? Yeah, it is a bailout. Uh, they're making all these people whole who were a bit irresponsible. And then, you know... Who's responsible? I mean, a lot of people are responsible for this. You know, Greg Becker. CEO. CEO of mm-hmm. Silicon Valley Bank. Silicon, 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 doesn't matter. Silicon, Silicon. There is, and you know, I hate to always bring in the regulatory record on all these things, but it's the most frustrating thing in the world, right? So in 2015, Greg Becker started to lobby the federal government, right? Because... In the wake of the financial crash, Dodd-Frank was passed, which, which put in a, a lot of new regulations for banks. Right. One of them was a certain threshold. When you hit a certain threshold of deposits at your bank, you're going to be, uh, you're going to be, uh, you have to be subject to an enhanced regulatory uh, program, right? So you're going to make sense. You're going to be subject to stress tests. You'll, you know, certain liquidity requirements, um, all of these things, right? So Greg Becker was saying, we want to change that threshold. The threshold was fifty billion dollars. When your deposits hit fifty billion dollars, you have to start. You have to start adhering to this. I'm guessing he was bitching because it's going to cost them money. Oh, one hundred percent. He said, you know, SVP's SVB's deep understanding of the markets it serves, our strong risk management practices. Uh, Becker argued that this bank would soon reach $50 billion in assets, which under the law would trigger enhanced prudential standards, including more stringent, stringent regulations, stress tests, and capital requirements for his and other similarly sized bank banks. Becker insisted that $250 billion was a more appropriate oh. threshold. Without such changes, SVB likely will need to divert significant resources from providing financing to job-creating companies in the innovation economy to complying with enhanced prudential standards and other requirements. Boo fucking who. Suck my dick, Greg Becker. So this is him writing to Congress. who He reportedly sold $3.6 million of his own stock two weeks ago in the lead-up to the bank's collapse. Oh, Given the low-risk profile of our activities and business model, such a result would stifle our ability to provide credit to our clients without any meaningful corresponding reduction in risk. Okay? So this is 2015. So he's saying that all of these things wouldn't do shit for their uh, risk management. It's no, no, just, no it's, that's not what he's saying. Well, no, that's what, yeah, he's saying that these additional steps wouldn't enhance our uh, our risk. He's saying we're already low risk. Uh, Don't yes. make us do this because it's going to cost us money. Exactly. And what we do yeah. is we provide people a service so they can create jobs. Right. Get out of our fucking way. Yeah. Right? So that was 2015. Who was in office then? In 2015? Yeah, Obama. Obama. Yeah, but then... Friend, I mean, he's he's no like enemy of Wall Street, of Obama. Uh, but it wasn't until uh, 2018. In 2018, they were able to roll back these... Uh, it was... It was uh, <laughs> Fuck yeah. 
And it wasn't just Republicans. That's, you know, they fucking go hand. It was, it was about 50 Republicans, 17 Democrats. They were able to pass this through and raise the threshold to $250 billion. Hell okay, yeah, so five times that. So now not only do you have pretty sizable banks without this regulatory schedule, they're also, it's leading to consolidation because banks are going, fuck yeah, now we can get five times as big without having to hit this fucking regulatory program. Fuck yeah, dude. Pretty sick, huh? Yeah, that's tight. <laughs> and now, <clears throat> had they been subject to these things, Silicon Valley Bank would have probably been a bit more aware of what was going on. Sure. Right? Uh, they, they probably would have had a chief risk officer in place. <laughs> right. They probably wouldn't have gone a fucking year without a chief risk officer. Yeah. You know, they probably would have had to hit certain liquidity requirements. Mm-hmm. Okay. This probably wouldn't, this probably wouldn't have fucking happened. Yeah. Uh, you know, my favorite take on this was uh, the Wall Street Journal's Andy Kessler had. Uh, <laughs> He blamed wokeism. Because, of course, because that, <laughs> he said in its proxy state, this is a quote from Andy Kessler. In its proxy statement, Silicon Valley Bank notes that besides 91% of their board being independent and 45% women, they also have, quote, one black, one LGBTQ plus, and two veterans. I'm not saying 12 white men would have avoided this mess, but the company may have been distracted by diversity demands. Fucking psycho. Dude, right. To just see a failing bank and go, you guys know how blacks, women, and veterans are stupid, right? Yeah. I mean, geez, Louise, buddy. Andy, Babu. I love how gotta... he, he also says, I'm not saying, and it's like, no, you are, though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying 12 white men would have avoided We just saw you. But the company, who was the CEO? Also, he lists one black guy, one queer No, he person. lists one black. Yeah, one black. One black, one queer, two, two veterans. <laughs> Andy, God bless you, sir. But oh. that's the thing, because but they need to do that. They need some kind of they need an easy thing to blame. They they need a culture war thing because what really need what we really need is is hard. It's they need to adhere to regulation and yeah. They, for all we but, know, the black and the queer were like, "Yo, we need a chief. We need a chief uh, risk officer." I mean, that's just. Never going to fucking happen, right? These guys go round and round. Like, yeah, in 2019, Becker was elected to serve on the board of directors at the Federal Bank, Federal Reserve Bank of San Francisco. Left the board on Friday. I wonder why. Jeez. And yeah. they're all just fucking going around. And, you know, and we're going to see it keep happening. Our entire life has been a cycle of people just completely fucking up the economy. Yeah. And then it, going, I don't know, we'll be better. Sorry we blew through regulations or there were none in place because we fucking went down to Congress and fucking cried yeah. so hard. Listen, that, buddy. It's just it fucking it it drives me nuts. Okay, yeah. they're you know Wall Street and big business, they're just they're fucking babies, and they yeah. just want this you know zero regulation, zero interest rate environment, so they can just make a mess of everything and take huge risks with everyone's money. Uh-huh. And then when it goes wrong, they just go, I don't know, sorry, we want the government to help us, even though we told them to get the fuck out of our way. Yeah. And if you step in and, and have any kind of dissenting opinion, they try to make a fool out of you. Mm-hmm. And you you just end up some like footnote in some documentary or book. You end up like Brooksley Bourne. Who? Brooksley Bourne. She worked for the CTFC. She basically tried to tell Larry Summers, Alan uh, Greenspan, yeah, yeah, yeah. all them about the... Uh, exactly. Who? Yeah. <laughs> she tried to tell everyone 
about the dangers of the derivative market leading up to the financial crash. And everyone was like, shut the fuck up, Brooksley Bourne. Yeah. And now she gets to some like award no one knows about. Well, you know, capitalism isn't without its flaws. It's just that we've only had, what, how many crises since uh, in the last fucking 20 years? That seems normal. That seems par for the course. Yeah. No, uh, there's a lot to be pissed off about here. There is. And it's not just the regulatory schedule either, right? Like, these guys were risky with their money. It wasn't just the bank. Like, Greg Becker thought, who fucking cares if we don't have a chief risk officer for a year, right? We're and invested in the, in, the, in the safest shit imaginable. And it's not just them, right? All these companies were keeping their money in this bank way above the risk threshold. Sure. Yeah. And, and you know, there are now, there's a, there's a, there was an article on Forbes with just like a, an entire game plan of how you could, how, how they could have mitigated this risk. If anyone, you know, right. you have companies like Roku, they had close to $500 million. In cash. In cash. In that bank. Sitting in Silicon Valley Bank. Yeah. Well, and you know what's funny is now all of this money flowing out of, uh, so it, there hasn't, there has been a bit of contagion because now a lot of people who bank with smaller regional banks have kind of panicked and, well, because a bunch of things have happened. Moody's, the one of the three big um, credit rating agencies, cut its view on the entire banking system to negative from stable. They said, quote, we have changed to negative from stable on our outlook on the U.S. banking system to reflect the rapid deterioration in the operating environment following deposit runs at Silicon Valley Bank, Silvergate Bank, and Signature Bank, and the failures of SVB and SNY. Uh, Moody said, banks with substantial unrealized securities losses and with non-retail and uninsured U.S. depositors may still be more sensitive to depositor competition or ultimate flight with adverse effects on funding, liquidity, earnings, and capital. So basically, all of these other small banks are at kind of equal risk. If everybody uh, tries to run for the exits, these banks are going to fail because they don't have ample liquidity to cover enough. So this week, you saw there were multiple banks. There was... um. Jesus Christ. Uh, First, First Republic, First Republic yep. um, Western Alliance. Uh, there were a few others that their their stocks were down. Their stocks were cut in half on Monday. It was amazing. You see these charts and they're just a waterfall. Uh, and guess who who wins? Fucking J.P. Morgan, Bank of America. Right. They saw an influx of an inflow of. I think J.P. Morgan alone this week saw like eight, fifteen billion dollars, probably way higher by now. Right. Of people coming in. So Jamie Dimon's uh, jerking off in his private jet um, right now, celebrating. Also, you know who was down? The funny. So we mentioned Dodd Frank. Mm -hmm. The Frank in there is for Barney Frank, one of the authors of the bill. Right. <laughs> who was trying to regulate banks in the wake of the financial crash? Mm-hmm. He Give it to me. was on the board of Signature Bank. Oh, yeah, baby. And you know what he was doing as well? Mm. He was down at Congress lobbying for Signature Bank to be free of the same regulations. We're not risky. We know what we're fucking doing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Get out of our fucking way. Yeah, we know what we're doing, baby. You got to cash out, baby. And there was a great article in Financial Times. The, the headline just Barney Frank. It's, it just says, Barney Frank. Well, I had to make money. Oh. That's beautiful. It really is beautiful. God bless him. God they bless had America. to make money. Yeah. Well, because guess what happened on Sunday? 
Signature Bank collapsed with $110 billion in assets, got shut down Sunday after customers withdrew more than $10 billion in deposits on Friday due to fears of exposure to crypto. And guess what happened, man? In 2018, it really is poetic. So in 2018, as Signature Bank is, is leaning more and more into crypto, the CEO, Joseph DiPaolo, said, and I quote, blockchain technology is the future. Scroll, it's it's up, it's up. There it is. In 2018, the CEO, Joseph DiPaolo, said, and I quote, blockchain technology is the future. You don't want to be caught short because in five years, a number of banks will not be around because of blockchain technology. (laughs) And in five years, the very bank that this man ran is not around because of blockchain technology. It is unbelievable. Truly unbelievable. The whole thing is truly unbelievable. It really is. And this was the third biggest bank right. collapse in, in, in American history. Two and three, right after one another. And in, these in are these are just all our smartest, biggest-brained guys. Oh, yeah. Man. You know, they're in charge of the economy. They've got it all figured out. Don't you fucking worry. Don't you fucking say a goddamn word about regulation. Also, a lot of these regulations, they would just save them from themselves. Yeah. It's just like... That's the point insane you know and you see people crying about it online you know well what are you supposed to do if you have you know all this money you're just supposed to spread it out to a bunch of banks like you and give them each 250 grand yes dude that's the whole fucking point of it to mitigate risk so if your bank fails you don't have all your money wrapped up in one bank well it is tough because what do you do if you've got like fucking 50 million dollars well there's a lot of a lot of banks offer things you know you know, companies manage this risk of bank failure through recognized insurance strategies. There are private sector solutions, Intrify's insured cash sweep, which essentially cuts up large accounts into 250 grand pieces and splits them across banks partici- participating in its network. CDAR is another Intrify product. It's a less liquid option that segments cash into CDs. Uh, you know, there are also some management, some cash management accounts with a sweep feature or additional insurance to take this take out. There's a Forbes story with like all of these. Also, presumably... If you're a bank, or if you're a company that could afford to have five hundred million dollars in cash parked in a bank, you sure. could afford to have a chief risk officer who could who could figure this out for you, right? Sure. A way to mitigate this risk. I I just don't understand if 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 I'm gonna be covered two hundred and fifty dollars at let's say ten banks for two and a half million dollars total across ten banks, and I'm gonna be covered that way anyway. Why not just cover me at one bank? Did you not just hear what I said? No, I did, but like still, because, if, the, if the government no, no, no. is covering what? Because it mitigates everyone's risk. The government's saying you're covered up to 250K. Right. If you park two and a half million dollars into one bank mm-hmm. and that bank fails, you're on the you're on the line for two and a half million dollars. If you park two hundred fifty grand in a bunch of banks and one bank fails, you only you're, oh, you're, you're saying it, it saves the government. Grand. It saves the government. It money saves too. everyone. Because yeah. They're the ones funding this FDIC fund, right? You're smart, dude. That's smart. But that's the problem. No one's like thinking about this. They're just going, oh, I don't get it. Just let me leave it in one bank if you're going to cover it. You should You should be in charge. I don't want to fucking be in charge. I think you should. All you do, like, that's the thing. All you do is get kicked around by these people. Yeah, these banks. Anyone trying to, anyone trying to do any kind of sensible regulation. Yeah. You get fucking kicked around. They tell you, "Oh, you're just you're you're getting in the way of fucking job." Trying creation. to create a job. I'm here. trying to create jobs, and you're trying to tell me I can't gamble with people's money. Because it's going to cost me more money. This fucking sucks. Yeah. And they scream and cry and bitch. Yeah. And they fucking pull your pants down on TV. Yeah. 
And they point to your little dick. And they say, point to your little this. dick. Look at this. This is what government regulation looks like. Yeah. And it's look just, at his little silly penis. Yeah. And it's Ted Cruz. And we're all like, we knew it was pathetic. Ted Cruz does not want to regulate anything. Yeah. So it's not Ted Cruz. Ted but, Cruz is smooth as a fucking Ken doll down there anyway. But the, it's just. And I mean that you know I'm sure not even only in the government I'm sure there were people at these companies going ah gee whiz don't you think we should and they go shut the fuck up yeah yeah get the fuck out of here don't you, you like making idiot. money you fucking loser yeah so there's a oh, man so the collapse puts the Fed in a tricky position because the the Fed's tightening cycle is now kind of on the brink of jeopardizing financial stability as is evidenced by these banks failing because it's a, pretty much a direct cause, you know, but it's not the fault of the Fed. Uh, and still, data is showing that the rates, the current uh, interest rates aren't restrictive enough to curb demand. So if that's the case, the Fed might have to choose between financial stability and inflation. And you should, you could argue that they should prioritize inflation because any kind of financial instability might actually help with the inflation problem. So wait, what was the thing you said to me? The the saying the Fed. The Fed raises rates till it breaks things or something? Uh, I mean, I didn't say that, but yeah. The, no, the you Fed, said that. The Fed, yeah, yeah. I can't believe you're doing this. Put it on a bumper sticker. You fucking said it to me. Uh, but so now everybody's got to recalibrate their projections for rate hikes. It was 50 uh, basis points, but now it's 25. And Nomura, Nomura, Nomura even said that they think that the Fed is going to pause, given the recent news. But Wait, holy you, shit. You man. want a... Um, what you want a metaphor that I do like because you won't go, go with me, me on that one. Give me, give okay, me. so this is from Nick Timmeros uh, at the Wall Street Journal, the one he's who's the, always the covering, Fed whisperer, just always covering the Fed. You're gonna like this. Oh, give it to me. <clears throat> I'm ready. The Fed raises rates to fight inflation by slowing the economy through tighter financial conditions, such as higher borrowing costs, lower stock prices, and a stronger dollar that curb demand. But the effects of those actions don't show up right away and can be akin to getting ketchup out of a glass bottle. Smacking the bottle Ooh. repeatedly leads Ooh. to no results, and then too much of the condiment pours out. Ooh, man. You like that? Everybody knows you got to tap that shit on the neck. That's how you get the, the ketchup out. But everyone knows that, like... Yeah, yeah, and then all of a sudden... Then, great, the whole fucking bottle came out. Yeah, god damn. That's, a pretty, good, that's pretty good, Nick Timoros. So that's what the Fed's doing right now. Yeah. Tapping the bottle. Come on, baby. Whoop. Tap, tap, tap. Whoop. Too much ketchup. Ruined a couple bags. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so yeah, like I said, the, the treasury said, said on Sunday that it, uh, well, I didn't say this part. I said Moody's, but then the treasury also said on Sunday that it sees some institutions with issues similar to Silicon Valley bank and investors worried that customers were going to worry and pull their funds and move them to big banks. Uh, also the federal home loan bank, like I, I pointed out, was a key source of cash for regional banks, raised $88 billion in bond sales, which freaked out the market even more because it meant that the banks may require funding to back up deposits in anticipation of all these withdrawals. So then, like I said, you had a bunch of other banks' stocks tanking. First Republic went down 60%, Western Alliance went down over 50%, Wintrust, PacWest. It was just a... A mess of a week, and it's still shaking out. Like, First Republic then bounced over 100%. And did I trade it? Fuck yeah, you better believe I traded it. And But then it's down back to, it's down like 30% as of us recording right now. Um, but then there were rumors that, um, what's the bank that's CS? Credit Suisse? No, the other one. Ch uh, ch uh, fucking City. Uh, 
God damn it. I don't know. There was there was a bank that was rumored this morning to be uh, uh, making an offer to take over First Republic, but as of right now, it's still so unknown. Like it, yeah, because these things have kind of resolved. The, the Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank thing has has resolved quickly. It kind of a lot of people are being like, "Well, it's over. That's it." And, but there, it's like, no, there still <clears throat> might be some other things that need to shake out. They're wheeling Joe Biden out to uh, to reassure everyone. <laughs> nothing, nothing, nothing gives me more confidence than our just necrotic, decaying president, who is a yeah. direct metaphor for the American Empire. Just God, gonna, everyone, everyone, settle down. Yeah, uh, the, the American economy is strong. Yeah, Jesus, I'm Christ. pissed off because I have. Uh, some put options on Sig- uh, Signature Bank. I have the June 80 strike put option on Signature. I'm owed like 22 grand and it's just frozen. And nobody seems to have an answer for me for what's going to happen. I got an answer for you. <laughs> Thank you, Charlie Munger. So I'm pretty, pretty pissed off because the stock just doesn't trade anymore. It's just technically worth like zero. And I'm talking to my broker and I'm like, hey, so I have these options and he's like, yeah, well, there's not really an answer right now about what to do. And it's like, well, that's not fair. The, 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 well, that's not fair. The, well, the other party to those options wrote those options. Yeah. And it's like, oh, they get to just get away scot-free? Like, well, thank God. The company doesn't even exist anymore. So, whew, thank God. Like, get the fuck out of here. That's not how it works. The Options Clearing Corporation has to is is guaranteed... They better fucking fix this or I will raise hell. And and you know I've got the, the clout in the finance world to make waves, ripples. Is that true? Droplets. Droplets? What's smaller than a droplet? Particle? Particle? I can't do shit, but I, I, I have the luxury of time that they don't expire until fucking June, but still. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm so, sure it'll work itself out by then. And if it's not, it won't matter because everything's probably... <laughs> belly up anyway yeah um <laughs> so it's not worked out by june we're in trouble yeah well so where are we now everyone's trying to keep an eye on everything and make sure this doesn't yeah and the biden like you completely said completely the- tank everything uh they also so the fed introduced this btfp the bank term funding program um when did they do this this week uh yeah, Last in week. the wake of all this. Got it. So among measures to counter fallout from the failure, the Federal Reserve said it would create a new lending program for banks, the mm-hmm. bank term funding program. The facility will allow banks to take advances from the Fed for up to a year by pledging treasuries, mortgage-backed bonds, and other debt as collateral. By allowing banks to pledge their bonds, they can meet customer withdrawals without having to sell their bonds at a loss, which is what Silicon Valley Bank did last week, sparking a bank on the uh, sparking a run on the bank. So they'd put their own declining yeah, assets up as collateral? <clears throat> right. Okay. But the weird thing about it is they like they don't have to take any losses on it. They just they kind of just freeze them. Um Well, cuz if you hold the the bond to maturity, you're you're not going to lose anything. You're going to get the yield regardless. Yeah. That's yeah. So all right, I I like that. But it, it was funny you were right. They did wheel out Biden and he reassured the public this weekend that their money was safe and that the system is fine. Did you did you worry at all? I didn't at all. I, I had no. I didn't give it a second thought. Oh, just before we we will get to that, I just want to make sure, so people are kind of confused about the bailout aspect of it, and everyone's saying it's not taxpayer money. But I guess with this, uh, so if the banks can't repay all the advances in a year's time, the Treasury Department is providing a twenty five billion dollar credit 
$25 billion of credit protection to the Fed just in case. The Federal Reserve does not anticipate that it will be necessary to draw on these back, backstop funds, but so it is being backstopped. Mm. Um, the taxpayer may be on the hook if they can't get this under control. Well, what's one more thing for us to be on the hook about at this point, right? Right. What is it? Uh, privatized gains, so, uh, socialized losses? There you go. That's yeah, that's did. exactly what it Sorry, is. Sorry, what were you asking me about? Uh, I don't know. Oh, was uh, I worried about it? Oh, yeah. Were you worried about it? I mean, I was. I had the loveliest weekend. I could. Yeah, you I were. Couldn't, you were too busy watching I, tennis. We were. We. I couldn't be more unbothered. Um, right. I. I didn't want to be. Good answer. You know, we were truly. I got there Thursday evening, and we had been invited to a. We had been invited to a private country club for tennis. So we went. We played three hours of tennis, and we woke up the next day. Went back to the country club, eight in the morning. We're playing tennis. Then we went straight to the games. And then Saturday, woke up, went back to the country club, back to the games. Wow. Okay. Well, anyway. Truly just a fantastic weekend. That's great. And, dude. and you know, just knowing that in the background, just uh, Silicon Valley tech guys are freaking out. Just, that's just, um, that's just bonus for me. You know what I mean? Pretty cool. I'm just there at the buffet scooping more on my plate. You know what I mean? Yeah. More beans. More beans more for beans me, please. More beans tennis boy. Uh, shit. You know, I, I forgot what I was going to say about, um, about this thing and about Biden and stuff, but I think we've covered just about everything there is to cover. We can get into Do you other, think we've covered it all. Yeah. Can we scroll down? What other, what, there was, there was more that we had. Oh yeah. Oh, well the, the China being a better broker for world peace was the thing when you mentioned, uh, the decline and decaying of American imperialism. Uh, I, I saw this interesting piece that I shared with you, this, uh, Harvard professor, Stephen Walt commented on China's Saudi-Iran deal. Um, wow, hard transition. It, it, well, <laughs> uh, kind of. It, it's just, uh, to him, this is China picking up the mantle of being, quote, a force for peace in the world, which the U.S. has largely abandoned in recent How years. How dare you, Stephen? Yeah, fucker. It, it, listen, you you ever heard th of uh, peace through for <laughs> forcing people to, to be... Um, but it, it is an interesting uh, take on it, which is that China... Uh, basically wants to just be left alone and leave everybody alone. And because of their increasingly looming position as the the world leader, in terms of GDP at least, uh, they might be the ones to eventually take over and set the example that America has long since lost sight of to, to be. Like America, who are you fooling anymore? Who, like who are we fooling? Tons of people. Yeah, exactly. Well, but like the the smart ones. <laughs> there are tons of people in America who I think they think every time we get involved in another country, they're like, "This is good, and we're we're promoting peace. We're and, good in democracy. We're the good ones." Yeah. No, we have we done... had to topple that democratically elected government. Yeah. You saw them. They might have. They they were thinking about doing land reforms. Yeah. Did you see the the president of El Salvador just gave a a really riveting speech to his own. Um, parliament or whatever excuse me i don't know but he basically just said like we are not going to be told what to do we are our own sovereign nation and we want to be left alone and do our own thing and it's like fuck yeah I, yeah we fucked up so many we have fucked up so many countries wow what a so novel idea yeah a leaving, country have some autonomy yeah no to run their own kidding. government and I wonder if this kind of thing with China and Iran uh, is going to serve as a wake-up call for America that like, hey, 
you can't be on top for forever. And I mean, it, I think it's almost, uh, you know, uh, you're talking about China moving into being the world power. I think yeah. we're certainly going to see a multipolar world where it's just, there, where there's not just one. Where there's snow everywhere. Where there's not just one superpower who controls everything. And this is part of that, right? Yeah. Um, and I'm sure the U.S. is very worried about that. You know, for a long time, they were the only game in town. Yeah. And now they're like, well, shit, you're supposed to come to us and we're going to give you, you know, a terrible deal through the World Bank and IMF and then we're going to own you forever. Yeah. And you're going to have to service this debt. And then when you default on it, we come in and fuck all your shit up. Yeah. And we actually helped bring China out of uh, out of um, the position that they were in, the, the poor position that they were in decades ago. And it's kind of uh, poetic to see the, the protege, the student, becomes the master. I don't know if I would put it that way really that we like didn't didn't we like give a bunch of shit i mean to for, for a long time it's like what we do we, we just shun them i mean we re- <laughs> we wouldn't even recognize mainland china as a country we recognized uh chiang kai-shek in taiwan or what was known as formosa i guess mm-hmm. and but we didn't because china was coming is coming because of country. now yeah, and it wasn't until yeah. nixon who started going over there and normalizing relations right um but I mean, that's, <laughs> that's insane. We like, it's like if we opened up, if we normalized relationships with Cuba and be like, well, we fixed it for you. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know. But part of normalizing relations was opening up trade. Sure. Yeah. And which was a major, major boom. But I don't think it's fair China. to be like student because. Well, of course. <laughs> um, but I, I'm just using a bad example of like, cause that would be, I'm going to keep it cause that is. I, I, let's keep say, it no it doesn't work yeah but it's more it's more poetic that way don't you want it to be poetic no it's also <gasps> weirdly All right I'll, I retract it this weird paternalistic relationship yeah, with yeah. other countries where it's like but we do that to everybody and it's a problem and we gotta stop maybe China will be the one to finally give us world peace who knows yeah but it also takes a lot away from you know the Chinese government and they were uh, look yeah, I, I don't know why we're you're putting me in a weird position where I have to defend the <laughs> fucking CCP and be like I mean they were able to bring a lot of people out of poverty <laughs> but I'm yeah we're not so defending I'm, I'm simultaneously saying <coughs> that I'm not going to give the US government that I think the credit con- for that I'm also not going to be like yeah the CCP is strong yeah I think the conclusion is that Pretty much all the world powers are innately, intrinsically bad, and um, shit's fucked. God, this. God, we did such a good episode. Now you're just like devolving to like shit's. You're like a like a high school or college freshman in his dorm. Like shit's just fucked up, dude. Man, you know what? You know what's here's some good news. Um, AMC apes can rejoice. There we go. At least there's some good news. There we go. Why? They, Tell me what they happened. They voted overwhelmingly in favor of a ten for one reverse split, and the uh, the CEO Adam Aaron Adam Aaron whatever uh, tweeted today was a huge step forward for AMC. You voted yes, yes, and yes, and it was a landslide vote too. Eighty eight percent yes for proposal one, eighty seven yes for proposal two, and eighty seven percent yes for proposal three. My sincerest thanks for giving AMC the tools we need to continue fighting the good fight on your behalf. Man, what a fucking con artist shyster. It's going to enable AMC to further dilute the apes. That's it. So what did they, so they, 
It was 10 to 1. So basically, for every 10 shares you've got now, you only have one. one. And the price uh, is multiplied currently. Whatever the price is currently, or at the time of the split, will be multiplied by 10. But so this is not so much of a split, more of a consolidation. Uh, yeah, a, a reverse split is done. A reverse split. A reverse split is done when a, a banana sto- split. Yes, thank you. Is done when a stock's stock is in the shitter, and it it uh it's on the brink of uh getting delisted. Um, also, when a stock reaches a certain dollar amount, institutions some institutions just have a hard and fast rule against against investing in it. So it's done to make it more attractive and make it look more respectable because, you know, buying a $40 stock is better than buying a fucking $4 stock. Interesting. But it also enables the company to then sell shares still. And that's probably what they're going to do. Because a normal split has a forward split, the other kind, is when a stock is too big and then you got to make it more attractive. Which also makes it more attractive. Yeah. 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 I, I you you want to be in a stock that's doing a forward split, not a not a reverse split. split. Yeah, but the apes like this. I, I don't even know. <laughs> I I haven't looked on the subreddit, but I'm sure that they are doing all kinds of mental gymnastics. Well, they've become they're they're a bit like Q-ish, right? So yeah. when Q gets something wrong, they can spin it. No, no, no. This is a good thing. Yeah, like, or this is this actually is all part, part of Q's plan. plan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's the same. It's shit. a very. I think the apes have that mindset where nothing is bad news. Yeah. Oh, it's down to zero? All part of the plan, baby. Cheaper to get in. We'll get some new guys in here. It's just funny that this guy is so good at... He's kind of like become the the snake charmer. The Pied Piper. The Pied Piper, so to speak. He's saying, thanks for continuing to fight the good fight. Or, I mean, or like you're you giving us the tools. It's like, <laughs> dude, oh man, just no shame in this guy. What's the follow-up tweet down below? Oh shit. Yeah. Oh, we're it's fucked. Save, we're fucked. Saving AMC is my so it's really funny. Just listen listen. Saving AMC is my professional mission. And remember that I own millions of AMC shares and ape units too. I very much want AMC to succeed. I am absolutely and passionately convinced that what you have approved today is in the best interests of AMC and all of our shareholders. Yeah. I mean, he's not wrong. Saving AMC is his mission, and he's going to have to do whatever it takes to get there. And and that's going to involve selling shares to raise cash because they need fucking money to continue doing what they're doing. So what happens now? We cannot implement what you approved today until the litigation in Delaware court is resolved. <laughs> the next court hearing is on this matter is set for April 27th. Huge third tweet. <laughs> yeah, so. <laughs> Way to bury the lead. Oh, <laughs> uh, Also, our hands are pretty much tied until we until we can clear some of this litigation stuff in Delaware. <sighs> right into the Chancery Court of of Delaware, if you if you want to see that cleared up asap. Ay ay man, these poor apes, dude. I I saw a uh, a piece out of um either the GameStop subreddit or or maybe AMC talking about the Moass, and they're just I couldn't tell if it was a joke post. I'm trying to get Moass, if you know what I'm saying. Oh yeah, Dougie. Just saying that I don't care. I I'm either gonna hold to zero, or they keep they always say that I'm either gonna hold to zero or be a fucking multi billionaire. I'm pretty sure that by now it's gonna be hold but to zero. I think I they think that it's pretty well established. You have to say they are right. They are, are right. They, they are, are gonna hold. They to are zero. either gonna hold to zero. They or are gonna hold to zero. Ay ay ay. He's not wrong when he says I'm either going to. Yeah. Or. 
Yeah. What else have we got? It's just heavily weighed in one. There's got to be one more little thing. Um, Should we talk about China. the OpenA thing? I just, yeah, I mean, open. No, AI. we'll save it because there's, there's, there's big. Yeah, we'll save it, but Jesus Christ. Jesus uh, Christ. Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. Jesus, Jesus Christ. Christ. Does me a favor. Jesus Christ will forgive my sins and take me to heaven with him. Is that real? Nope. Just made it up. I Off the dome. Really like that song. Yeah. Uh, a friend of Jesus is a friend of mine. Yep, that's right. Jesus Christ. We love him. We celebrate him every day. Can't wait for his uh his um. This is a Christian finance podcast. We don't is, mention that a lot. It is the number one Christian finance podcast. The number one Christian finance yeah. podcast. You find me another one, and uh, or your money back. Or, but uh, there might be some Christian finance podcasts where they're like, the best thing you can do donate. is donate your money. Donate because <laughs> that comes back tenfold, baby. The yield on that is unbelievable. Yeah, you know what the yeah you know what the best yield out there is <laughs> paradise. No, 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 no. God's love. God's love pays. Infinity, infinite, an infinite amount of yield. I mean, when you you're, could go find six percent here, you could find ten percent there, but only Jesus's love gives you all the yield that you need in your heart. In so give to us, and we'll donate, or and we'll, we'll, uh, you know, you got it. You got yeah, it. yeah, yeah, yeah. He just breaks character. Yeah, that yeah, they've, yeah, been yeah, do, yeah. they've been doing it for like ten years, so he he, he just like falls out of the yeah. preacher voice. You guys, you folks will find it. Uh, you find, find the link on the website and donate all that you can. It does. It does appear that my private plane is leaving, so uh, do I, I do yeah. have to go? <laughs> well, that about wraps it up for this Doesn't episode. That? Yeah, I think so. That wraps it up. That ra- that wrapped it up. Yeah, we're gonna end there. Hang on. It, yeah, they're saying that wrapped it yeah, up. Yeah, they're saying they're giving that us the it. old hook. Yeah, I, I'm hearing. I'm hearing breaking right now that that wrapped it up. To all of our new subscribers out there, if you made it this far, we'd like you to say, what the fuck? So you're sick. But also welcome. And, and I want we you to love. get help. Yeah. I want you guys to get help if you're still you. here. Every one of you still watching, If any, sick. If anything that I said about China upsets you, I'm sorry. Yeah, he got uh, real weird with the China. Listen, guy. I don't know. got real weird with the China. What the it's, hell was it's that? It's fucking first thing in the morning, folks. I don't know what's going on here. I don't know who's. I don't know what to think anymore about anything. So please forgive. Ben gets weird about yeah, China. Dude. Oh, man, China. I love that food, though, man. You can't stop me when it comes to that orange chicken. Oh, baby. And those rails that they build, they do it so fast, and those trains go so fast, and I do appreciate it. Anyway, that, uh, I you think You do I'm have gonna, to give it to him. I got to give him props. I do. They put up rails like it's nobody's biz. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I wish they'd make it mine. So stick around for After Hours. We're going to be talking about how we scammed a restaurant to let us in, and Ooh, what else are we going to cover? Fun. We're going to be... I'm going to talk some shit on... Uh, I'm going to talk some shit about Ryan Reynolds, you know? Cause oh, yeah, we got to talk about Ryan Ryan. We're going to talk some shit. And oh, we can tell him about the Ryan Reynolds joke from Japan. Oh, yeah. Well, oh, no, no, you got we'll it. We'll do it. You got to hold it. on. <laughs> yeah, we're going to save it. TMGstudios.tv, where you want to go and sign up and subscribe. Otherwise, thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. This week on After Hours. Were you just looking at my penis? No, I was looking at your mic wiggling around. You were looking at my penis. Now I'm looking at your penis. God, I can just see the outline. The bisexuals are going bananas right now. Another theory was that the pilot did a suicide thing. That's, well, then, so, so like, that kind of makes sense with the other one where it's like, okay, fine. Then what do you do with all those people? <laughs> at that point, why not just say, yeah, we're the United States? <laughs> You're going to do that 200 and... 270 people. 
hold on, you're next. <laughs> I basically was like, look, I'm not playing this game. And he said, it's all right. You're just a kid. I said, don't put your fucking hands on me. That was the scariest thing I've ever heard. What I don't fucker. Sign up on TMGStudios.tv to watch the full bonus episode.